Hi, my name is Adam Homie, and welcome to this week's episode of Business Creators Radio Show. As the name says, our listeners are business creators, and they fall into four categories. Entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners, marketing and business coaches, folks who help others build their businesses, such as those same marketing and business coaches, web designers, virtual assistants, online business managers, social media managers, anybody who helps others succeed at marketing. And do-it-yourselfers who run your own businesses, who need help, who need support, who need the how-to to get things done with your marketing. If you are one or more of the above, please be sure to explore episodes and discover how our experts can help you win at business at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to check out our podcast. Just go to iTunes and search for Business Creators Radio Show or look for the links on our website. And be sure to check out our previous episodes. And also, every five-star review is greatly appreciated. Now, today, we're very honored to have with us our special guest, Kristen Eckstein, the Ultimate Book Coach. Hi, Kristen. How are you doing? Hey, Adam. I'm doing great. How are you? Couldn't be better if you paid me a million dollars. That, however, should not discourage you from trying. <laughs> okay, so we have a ton of information to cover here, so we're going to do the introductions real quickly, and then we're going to kind of dive in. So just to tell you a little bit about Kristen, Kristen Eckstein, the ultimate book coach, is a sought-after independent publishing expert, two-time best-selling author, and award-winning international speaker. Her reputation is about creating books that bring you business through ghost publishing, which is a term she coined herself to define her exclusive done-for-you independent publishing program, which is known as I Am Published. She's been in the publishing industry since 2003, has run a traditional publishing company, Vanity Publishing House, and started her own independent publishing house with a traditional arm. To date, she's started over 50 publishing companies and published over 160 books and e-books. And if you just had your eyes sort of spin a little bit, all that terminology I just threw at you, stay tuned because we're going to dissect all of it over the course of the next 55 minutes or so. To learn more about Kristen, just check out her website at ultimatebookcoach.com. And on a personal note, uh, Kristen started showing up on my radar screen about 18 months to two years ago. I just started to see her post on social media and see her show up as a speaker at various events. And one day I found out that she was doing – Kristen, you remember this? You uh, were doing like a, a call-in day where you were sitting at your desk and anybody who got through got 15 minutes with you. Yes. Yes, I remember yeah, and that. I, oh, yes, yes. And I uh, thought, you know, I'd, I'd seen some things you were doing and I thought it would be as good as time as ever to give you a call and find out perhaps how we could support each other and things like that. So we got on the telephone. We had a great conversation, and since then we've been connected in various ways. And when we started the Business Creators Radio Show, I knew one of the top topics that people wanted to hear about just based on our initial surveying was how to get published and how to write and publish a book that grows your business. And I specifically thought of you, and I was so glad that you were willing to come join us today. Oh, I'm excited to be here. It's so cool and hearing all the backstory. <laughs> Yes, and we're so, we're so excited to have you. So before we dive in, let's take a quick step back and give our listeners a chance to get to know you a bit. I know I read off your bio and I told a little bit about you, but let's hear some things in your own words. So tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to where you are today, helping entrepreneurs and business owners write and publish their books. Uh, well, I used to work for a vanity publishing company. It was a startup, and I learned right. the ropes of publishing then. 
I've always loved books. Um, contrary to popular belief, kids don't need TV. <laughs> I grew up without a TV. And my, one of my favorite lines from The Princess Bride is, in my day, television was called books. <laughs> right. <laughs> Love that line because that was my life. Um, when I really started to look at what career path I wanted to take when I was in college, um, someone told me, what was the one thing that got you super excited when you were a kid, like really, really passionate, really, really excited? And it was always books, writing, publishing, books. And so I was like, well, I guess that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's kind of how I ended up getting into the industry, getting my feet wet. And um, my husband and I started our business, Imagine Studios, in 2004. And so we're, we'll have our 10-year right. birthday next year. So excited for that. Um, and right. then we've morphed through different aspects of self-publishing, indie publishing, and now what I do is I start publishing companies for entrepreneurs because right. my passion is putting you know the books and the control in their hands, which is super exciting. So beyond all of that, anyone who follows me on social media knows more personal aspects about me, namely that I love chocolate because I feel like that's the right. most important part of life. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of creating the entrepreneur's dream if we can't enjoy what we want when we want, right? <laughs> you're absolutely you're absolutely right. For some people it's chocolate, for some people it's lolcats. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> absolutely. So that that's really great. Now here in the Business Creators Radio Show, as I'm sure you've heard, we help by providing tools, techniques, and strategies to help our entrepreneurial audience quickly grow their businesses. Now, a lot of our listeners tell us when it comes to growing their business and engaging in marketing strategies and doing the things they need to do, they have pretty much everything at their disposal except for time and money. Now, how much of each of this does it take to write a book? The writing part will cost you a little bit of time and no money. Right. I mean, you, there's software you can buy, but you don't really need it. As long as you have a word processing program that usually comes with every computer nowadays, you're set. Sure. Um, you can also even get a free website and start blogging for free. That's writing. So it's just right. a matter of time. And time really depends on how proficient you are. I can knock out 2,500 words in an hour, you know, writing from scratch from what's in my head. If you know wow. your material, if you've been speaking your material for a very long time, it's going to flow very quickly. Um, so the the time and money factor, it it's scalable. It totally depends on how much of it you want to do yourself. You're always going to have one or the other. You're going to have a lot of time or a lot of money to invest. Right. Um, to do, you know, a book is a marketing tool, and it's a direct reflection. It's often the first impression that p potential clients and customers will get about you and your business. So if you put out crap, you're going to attract crap. You're going to attract the people who want to, you to work for them for free because you want other people to work for you for free. You know, that's just kind of how right. it works. <laughs> what you put out there comes back to you. Um, so if you invest in a high-quality piece of, of a marketing tool, then you're going to attract the higher-caliber clients because they recognize the quality. They know you know your stuff, and they want to hire you. So that's the, the time and money piece. The, the short answer is it could cost a lot of time. It could cost a very little amount of time depends on you, your schedule, your proficiency level with writing. And we actually have, I know we're going to cover this a little later, some tricks that you can use to cut down on both those time and money factors. I just have to ask, approximately how many words do you type per minute? Um, I was tested at 75. 
that's pretty close to where I am. I've been tested many times in my life, and it's come somewhere between 65 and 75 words a minute. I don't know how this is possible because I don't know how to officially type. I remember back in secondary school, I uh, took a course on typing, and the instructor finally gave me a B-plus just so she wouldn't have to sit through another one of my drills. <laughs> I never did quite figure it out, but I'm able to type pretty quick. So I'm wondering, I've never actually measured how many words I can crank out if I just put myself in turbo focus mode. I know that I can generate a killer sales letter in a couple hours. I know that I can do an entire email follow-up sequence in one sitting with about 10 different installments and all those mixes of psychology and scarcity and take action now and nurturing and all the other things when I get myself in that creative mode. Sometime I'm going to measure how many words I actually crank out because 2,500 words is a lot of words. I mean, you think of a lot of books out there aren't even 2,500 words, and you think a blog post uh, can be seven or eight paragraphs and not even be 300 words. Right, yeah, most blog posts should be around 500 words just because Google likes that now. Right. Um, so when I'm writing, I can't stop. <laughs> it's, right. It's become, an, it's become OCD for me because I, um, I don't know, I know you've been following me on Facebook, so you've probably heard about this over the past couple weeks. Yes. I have been writing and publishing a new Kindle book every week for the past six weeks straight, and I'm continuing yeah. it, the goal is, all the way through the end of 2013. So I will have a boatload of books done by the end of 2013. And I'm, you know, I have to write fast, and it's gotten to the point where I'm practicing what I preach to my clients. I talk to them about, you know, setting aside specific times to write every day so you get into the habit of it. And I have gotten into this habit of writing where if it's about, you know, 6, 7 o'clock at night and I'm getting ready to have dinner, and I haven't written in one of these books yet. You know, I might have written an article or a couple little, you know, like a guest post article or a couple little things on Facebook. But if I haven't sat down and written anything on my book, I literally have this draw, this pull of OCD saying, go do it, go do it, go do it. And I can't sleep <laughs> until I write at least a couple paragraphs. So usually right. I end up writing at least a whole chapter <laughs> because I just can't stop. And that has come about just because of discipline and practice and just keeping it up almost every single day I've been writing since mid-August. So for a month and a half, I've been doing this. And now it's a habit. Now it's a compulsion and a, an energy and a drive. And if you can get to that point, then writing is effortless. About how much of your business time would you say you spend doing this because a book a week is pretty ambitious, especially when we have so many listeners who are wondering how they're going to get to their first book, much less a book a week. And I know you also run a business, you have clients, you have all kinds of things going on. So approximately how much time does it take to write a Kindle book a week? Um, about like the first one I took two hours to write because it was only 4,000 words. It's very right. short. Right. Um, the other ones have been about ten to 12,000 words each. And right. I found that if I can focus for two hours at a time, I can knock it out in two to three days. So anywhere from four to ten hours per book, depending That's on the length and, and depending on how much yeah. research I have to do. Some of these I'm actually researching statistics and things, and that's what takes the, the longest. Right. Whenever I write sales copy, most of the time that I spend on it actually goes into research, finding statistics, and figuring out what to do with the headline. I know when I first got into the realm of writing copy, 
I was taught that you're really going to spend the majority of your time on the headline. It's just like uh, whether or not you judge a book by its cover. And what I want our audience to hear is if you have a couple hours a day, you can write a book in a week. It's very doable, even if you don't type nearly as fast as Kristen or I do. You can absolutely do this. And you also heard her say that she's have books published that are only 4,000 words or 5,000 words. I want you to just look at your day and find out where two hours a day are. You can probably turn off Facebook for two hours and get a book done <laughs> and then go and then go look at lolcats to your heart's content. I know myself, if I haven't had a good lolcat in the morning, it's like some people need a cup of coffee. I need a good, funny lolcat. And if I don't get my lolcat, I can't get started with my day. Now, so... <laughs> You still have plenty of time to look at your lolcats. You still have plenty of time to take pictures of your food and put it online. You have all the time in the world to do that, but you also have time to write a book. So here's the thing. Business creators publish books to grow their public speaking career, get more exposure in the media, and just overall grow their business. A few of our clients actually have been doing this. They have both published books this year. In fact, one of them, Jim Palmer, the newsletter guru, has a book coming out, actually just launched today. Uh, it's all about uh, you know no longer waiting and growing your dream business now. So and he's doing that partially to increase his exposure. He already has four published books. This is his fifth published book, and he's using this to leverage some things that are going on in the news right now. He timed this book deliberately in case the government shut down today. You know, today being October first. And since the government is going into shutdown, he's now launching this book, and he's starting a revolution. So what this is ultimately going to do is going to get him more public speaking gigs, get him more exposure in the media, because it increases the chances he'll get picked up by the media, and just overall raise his profile and grow his business. Now, I've heard a lot about how there are different ways to publish a book. You have self-publishing, you have e-publishing, and all these other types of publishing. Now, which do you recommend for somebody whether they're just starting out publishing their very first book or whether they want to do a book a week? Um, ultimately, it depends on their goals. If you want to do a book a week like I'm doing, stick to Kindle. Just publish on Kindle eBooks. That's it. Uh, if you want to have a nice high-end marketing piece for your business and you own a business, you're already established, start mm -hmm. your own publishing company which is true indie publishing, independent publishing. You'll see all these vanity companies call themselves indie. They're not. Indie means you, right. one, single. <laughs> it doesn't mean right. a company that's got its name on your book. It's you, your own name. So indie publish that way. If you want to publish a memoir or poetry book or something that's just kind of a heartfelt book that you just kind of want to get out there and it's not anything mm -hmm. that's going to bring you business, then choose a vanity publishing company to help you with that. Okay. And vanity Vanity is what um, – the easiest way to tell if it's vanity is if they have a package rate and then they're going to pay you royalties on your book sales. You order your books through them. Their name goes on your book as the publisher. If they are the, – the, the biggest con to using them is the reason you don't want to use them for business is because you need to make your marketing piece affordable and they will mark the price of your book up because not only do they get paid up front, but they get paid with every single book you sell. It's a pay now, pay later scenario. I personally would rather have pay now, invest in something high quality, make all the money later, <laughs> which is indie publishing. Right. But that's because I'm in business. So if you're not in business, Fanny Publishing is a great option. We use it for a couple of our clients because they they need that sort of system. <clears throat> so we partner with Fanny Publishers for that. And then there's also okay. traditional publishing, which 
if you are already an established speaker, you've been published several times, you just need that extra boost to get into mainstream media, New York Times bestseller, which can happen with indie publishing. You can pretty much do everything with indie that you could with traditional. It's just a little bit harder. Um, but if you want to go that route, that's where you get an agent and a book deal with a big-name publisher. Right, right, right. So let me ask you something here. Lulu.com, what would that be considered? Biggest vanity publisher what, next to Author House. Author House probably is the biggest vanity publisher, and Lulu's the next biggest. Okay, because and I've seen people I have use Lulu to, for business books. Go ahead, I'm sorry. They do, and I have yet to see a good, well-priced, well-designed book from Lulu. Okay. It's, uh, yeah. What would you find <laughs> as well-designed and well-priced, just so that our audience gets a sense of that? Uh, well, well-designed means that it's something that people will see 15 feet from a room. You know, when you first walk into a bookstore, the first shelf is usually about 15 feet away. They can tell what right. the book is about. It calls to them. They want it. That's a well-designed book. If it's in their, if it's your market, you're at the back of the room speaking, and or you have a, a table in a trade show, it it's attractive. It attracts people to you. It's professional. Um, a and your second question was. Uh, the, the second case, yeah, um, well, you were looking at well-designed and well-priced. You said that from Lulu.com oh. and some of the other vanity publishers, you have yet to see something that's well-designed and well-priced. Yeah, well-priced. Okay, here's an example from directly from Lulu. I had uh, someone in a local writer's group show me her poetry book. It was designed, it was 48 pages, which is the printer's minimum, and it was six by nine. So it basically looked like a big booklet. It did not look like a book. It was priced at seventeen ninety five. They told her, you get to set your own price. In the fine print, it says, you get to set your own price, but we have to tell you what the minimum is. Because they okay. need to make a, they need, they make four to five dollars per copy because they don't have much of an upfront cost, if any. Right. Um, depending on what package you choose from them. They, they want to make money off of the book sale. So they will mark the price of the book up past the distributor's discount, which is 55%, if they even let you choose that. I'm not sure. They might do like 35 or 45%, past the print cost. And so they're going to mark right. – they're, they're basically tripling the cost of the book before you even get it in your hands. Right. Because they have to account for all those other things that are mandatory, you know, for the publishing industry to sell books online and, and in bookstores – and they want to make a cut. So who's going to spend seventeen ninety five on a poetry book that's six by nine and it's only forty eight pages, which is only twenty four pieces of paper? It's ridiculous. I'm not going to spend seventeen ninety five <laughs> for that. I'm sorry, especially. See, I'm going to be flying to Las Vegas tomorrow, actually. So it's kind of funny we're talking about this. And usually, what I'll do is I'll have I'll take two books with me whenever I travel. Uh, one book will be for fun. So I have this book. Uh, it's actually sitting in the other room. My mom bought it for me the other day. She saw it in the bookstore and thought it would be cute. And uh, it's, something, uh, it's something about Bob the Cat. It's some guy writing about his cat, and his name is Bob. So that's going to be a fun book. And my mom bought it for me because she thought it was funny because I've been saying that once I move, I'm going to rescue a cat, and I'm going to name him Bob. You know, get it, Bob the Cat. <laughs> yes. That's yeah, awesome. so uh, so she picked that up. So I'm going to read that because I think it's going to be funny. Now, usually what happens is I will use my airplane time to read, as in pick up an actual book, because no matter 
what happens with any regulations. Uh, they can tell you what to do with your tray table. They can tell you what to do with your iPad. They can tell you what to do with your Kindle. But they can't tell you to power down and steal your book. That's right. So I will hold my book and I will read my book the whole time. So this gives me a chance to catch up on some interesting book that I see at the bookstore at the airport. I almost I even set a budget for going into the bookstore at the airport and picking up a couple of books to read on, on the way. Now, with all now with all this, uh, I can pick up a really nice book about things that I like, like history or business, and I can pay twenty five dollars at the inflated prices at the airport bookstore and get a five hundred page book. So why am I going to pay seventeen ninety five for a twenty four page book of poetry? That just doesn't exactly work for me. Now, exactly. one of the things I see with managing publishing is I think that tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, Kristen. I see people could potentially use vanity publishing and pay very little up front, but then have to carry an exorbitant per unit price because they don't have a lot of money to invest up front and they just want to get the thing published real quick. Right. And, you know, that's fine if you don't want to sell books. Okay. So if it's like you just want to be able to say, so it's like if you just want to be able to say, I have a published book to start building your credibility, and then if somebody happens to buy a few, that's great. And then if you want to pay the $10 or whatever it is to order your own copies and have them shipped to you, that's fine too. But just uh, that's the idea that it's going to establish the credibility without the sales. Is that what you're telling us? Right, exactly. I mean, you, you can establish some credibility, but if you do it with zero upfront costs, that means you're probably using a template cover by the famous right. publisher. You're probably going to make your book look like somebody else's in the world because you are using that template and somebody else has used that same template. And it's not going to be custom to your brand, no matter what you do to it. It's also, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people, even just one last week, who is trying to to use one of these templates and she's racking her brain and just pulling her hair out of frustration because she can't get the specifications correct. That's what happens right. when you use software that's not industry-approved real book designer software. If you're going to use real right. book designer software and know what you're doing, it's easy. It's super easy to create you know, a cover that's going to work the first time. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of back and forth, a lot of delays, a lot of time issues with getting your book up because you're not meeting their specifications. And then it's not necessarily going to print well because vanity publishers accept anything. They don't care what it looks like. They're making money one way or another. They're going to make money off of you buying your own books or off of the package fee that you pay. They don't care about right. the quality. And they're not going to coach you through the process. They're not going to t- you know, talk to you about strategy or how to design your book so that it will sell. Because that's like you mentioned earlier, people do judge a book by its cover. You know, your book cover is your first date with a potential client. You messed that up, and you lost that client. That's just the way it yeah. is. So, I personally think you you either are going to do it cheap with poor results, or you're going to do it well with a slight investment and reap major results. And so, you really need to look at your goals. And if your goals are to get big results. Save your pennies and you know budget it out if you have to. Work with somebody on a payment plan and get it professionally designed, professionally illustrated, and put out a professional product. Because here's the thing. Your reputation on Amazon matters. As long as your book is up on Amazon, which I can tell you from personal experience, I have a lot of books out of print, and they're all still right. affordable on Amazon, and they don't have very good reviews <laughs> because I did right. them wrong. <laughs> right. Right. 
those reviews stay forever. That is your credibility and your reputation. So if you want to do it for credibility, think long term. Don't think about credibility just to say I'm published. That means squat nowadays. Anybody can okay. be published. That doesn't do anything for you anymore. If you're published with something of quality that gets good reviews, that's well-written, that has a nice professional cover designed, that's when those doors are going to open up to you that credibility will bring. Great, great. So, all right, true confession time. I have two books I'm working on myself, and I'm kind of feeling the need to get one of these done real soon as, between me and a couple of my assistants, we're already working on a campaign to get me more media exposure and break me out as a public speaker. Now, I make a little progress here and there, and a lot of that progress translates into I write a blog post about a topic that will probably go into one of the books at some point, but I never really seem to get too far. And here you are talking about writing a book a week and spending two hours a day on it, and I'm like green with envy here. I think the <laughs> biggest problem that I'm having tell you the truth. I, I know you've given me some things to think about just in the 20 minutes or so we've been together so far. But I think that one of the biggest problems I'm having is not knowing which one of these books will get me the furthest, fastest in terms of achieving my goals. Now, do you have any systems, do you have any methods to help authors get past this, to identify the book's target market or find out what topic they should use that would really help them move forward? Uh, well, let's talk target market first because without that you have no focal point for what you're, who you're right. writing to, which determines what you write about. So right. I, have a, a, I have a PR coach. Her name is Shannon Cherry. She totally rocks. And she oh, yeah. told me she about this. Yeah, she's awesome. We love Shannon. Um, yeah. She told, taught me this method, so I give her full credit. I call it the Build-A-Bear marketing method. And I right. highly recommend, I don't care how grown up you think you are, <laughs> go find yourself a Build-A-Bear there's, they're all over. They're all over. They're, they're place, if you don't know about Build-A-Bear, it's a place where you walk in, you choose a stuffed animal that's totally lifeless and flimsy. It's got no stuffing in it. And you stuff it. You love it. You say this little mantra with its little heart. You tuck its heart in there. And the, the people who work at the store, you know, tie the bear string up in the back so it's all stuffed and, and ready. And then you outfit it. So you put, you know, clothes on it and accessories. And it's usually for kids. However, it is the number right. one best way to find your target market. It's inc an incredible process to go through. And while you can go to the store and look around, you will not go through the same exact thought process as actually building your c target client. So think about, like one of the things to think about is the person that you've enjoyed working with the most over the past year. And you can use them as a foundation. And then other things about them that you kind of wish that they had. Like someone who I love to work with may not really be all that te tech savvy. And so I would wish they'd be a little more tech savvy. So my bear, first of all, I picked a blue bear because I enjoy working with entrepreneurs of a different color. So entrepreneurs right. are, are a little off. <laughs> we just yeah. are. <laughs> we are our own breed. And so my blue bear was my foundation, and then I chose to make her a girl because most of the female entrepreneurs I work with are not girly. They're blue. Okay. You know, they're they're not pink. They're they're in a man's world because you know most businesses in the past have been run by men. So women entrepreneurs are still a minority. Um, and I love working with women. I, I work with men too, but I love working with women because they seem to understand the investment it takes to get behind their dreams and, and they're 
anyone who tells them no, you can't do that, don't tell a woman that, please. <laughs> Especially an entrepreneur. <laughs> She's going to prove you wrong. <laughs> right. Do it. Um, so my bear is holding uh, her, one of her accessories is a bear pad, which is like an iPad for bears because I want right. her to be tech savvy. Um, she's got several outfits now because I've had her for a couple years, and occasionally she gets a new outfit, especially when she travels to – I take her to conferences, and I use her as a demo. And so some people take my workshops more than once at some of these conferences, and I want them to see her wearing the same outfit every time. Right. <laughs> but she's got sunglasses because she loves to be able to go outside whenever she wants. She loves working out by her pool. She's which she doesn't really have a pool, so I need to get a bear pool. Um, She's got (laughs) flip-flops because she likes to be comfortable. She wears jeans Uh and a T-shirt when she works. And she's she's got a dressy outfit for speaking on stage because she's a speaker. And she's got a microphone um, because she's a speaker. She's also got a suitcase because she travels all over, and it's got stickers from all over the world (laughs) on it. And she's got a pause port, they call it. So it's a passport. To you know, travel. A passport. I get it. <laughs> a passport. Yep, it's an international passport. So the cool thing about Build a Bear is they are constantly changing their outfits for the season or for things, special events that are going on, and they're also constantly changing their accessories. So go back more than once and think right. about it as you build your bear, as you outfit your bear or whatever animal, because they have other animals as well. Um, think about why you chose that animal. What characteristics about it? are in your target audience, why did you choose to put jeans and a T-shirt or some other outfit on the bear? Because there's significance to that. She actually has a T-shirt that says friends count because entrepreneurs are often solopreneurs and we work by ourselves in our home offices, and so our friends are online. You know, all my friends are on Facebook. So friends matter. Friends count. We need that social interaction, and we get it through our computer screens. Um, and then think about, like, what accessories would they have? And as you narrow down that one single person you really, really would love to work with, that's the person you keep in front of you. You set your bear on your desk or on your lap. I am not kidding. I have written some of these books with this bear on my lap. And you focus on that particular person and say, I am writing this for you. You'll have other okay. people with different characteristics and traits fall through your funnel. That that happens. But by right. focusing on that, you know who you're writing for, which will determine what you write to them and how you answer their questions in your book. And so it will really help you focus your attention, and you're not going to be jumping around to all these other shiny objects you could be putting in your book because you're focused on who exactly you're writing for. Right. Right. We call this, in, in my world, the website conversions world, we call this building your ideal customer avatar. So it's basically the same thing. You're just building a bear, and you're building this representation of what your target market is going to look like. So when you are writing, when you're creating, you go and look over at this bear, and you ask yourself, am I really writing for this bear, or am I writing for somebody else? And if what you're writing is not for the bear, you adjust it accordingly. Am I on the right path with this? Absolutely. That's absolutely right. So this, and, you know, the difference between the avatar and the bear is the bear is physical. And so you actually right. have a physical thing you can look at. And I do encourage you to go back seasonally to build a bear and see what other accessories they have because I actually found her microphone just a couple months ago. And I was like, yes, she's got a microphone now. And don't by the you way, have a this Mr. Is potato a head, thing. too? I yeah, do. Don't you have a Mr. Potato head, too? I thought so. I have five of them. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, and Mr. Potato Head's different. He has limited accessories. So it, okay. there's not as much. And, and there's really no outfits other than, like, Darth Vader or uh, Stormtrooper. <laughs> and I don't think anybody wants them as their target client. <laughs> Well, it all depends, but uh, in the business world, probably not so much. Yeah, usually not. Now, maybe right. the Indiana Jones one or one of the rock star ones, maybe those you might want to work with. But Mr. Potato Head I use in a different capacity. I use him to free up my right brain and my creative process so that I can write more freely and not be hindered and blocked by all the research stuff that I have to do for my books. I see. I see. So... Here's the thing. Writing and publishing books to grow your business is a very hot topic among our listeners. I've mentioned several times. This is something that's burning for me right now because I know I have to get a book done, and it's something that some of our clients do and some of our other clients need to do. So really, I think people really need to know how to do this. Do you have any suggestions or recommendations on maybe some sort of, if you can just you know, sort of let the cat peek her head out of the bag just a little bit, some sort of step-by-step that people could follow if they had to sit down today and say, I need a book published next week. How would they do it? Well, first, if you haven't been blogging, blog. Most likely you've already been blogging. Um, One of the things, reasons I've been able to write these books so quickly is I have a lot of step-by-step articles on my blog. And, you know, they're just like step one, upload your book to Kindle. Step two, do this with your pricing. Step three, blah, blah, blah. They're not very detailed, and they don't have right. the sub-stuff within them. They're just the basic format. That right there is a book outline. Your outline's done. So many people get hung up on the outline of their book and what to put where. You've already got it done. It's sitting there on their blog. All you have to do is go grab that article and expand each step. So what happens is the introduction to the article, usually your first one or two paragraphs, that becomes your introduction in your book, and you just expand it a little bit, describe a little bit more about what you're going to teach, maybe add two or three more paragraphs to it. Then each step becomes a chapter. And in each step, explain your process. for, For Kindle, add screenshots of your process if it makes sense, add other images, um, that's what I do with my books. And like I said before, these little Kindle books do not have to be that long. I mean, we're talking like right. 12,000 words max. So if you have a 1,000-word article, you're one-twelfth of the way done already. And all you have to do is expand each step. That is how I've written probably half of the books I've done so far of these Kindle books. Okay. Now, another method that you can use is to uh, – it's called what I call the preg method because a lot of times what you're hung up on is what to write about first. Let's say you do have a blog, you have a bunch of different articles on there about writing about or, or about uh, research, about marketing, about, you know, website optimization and SEO and you just have all these, you know, sales writing, sales copy, tons of different topics. Well, which one do you turn into a book? Um it's, I call it the preg method and you're going to ask yourself four questions. Ask yourself which one, this is the P, which one are you the most passionate about? Which topic do you get excited about when you start talking with a prospective client or a current coaching client? You get really for me it's publishing. I get so freaking excited about publishing. <laughs> my body starts to move. I get this little pit in my stomach of excitement of like, Oh, I'm so excited about this. So which one are you most excited and passionate for? Then which one have you done the most research on? This is the R. There's some top topics you may have researched like crazy. 
And the third one is which one do you have the most personal experience in? Now, personal experience and research are two different things. Research is how many times have you been stuck on Wikipedia or reading articles on other people's blogs about a topic. Experience is something like a life experience. So let's say you recently went through a divorce or you had a death in the family. That is a personal experience, and a lot of people turn those into books because suddenly their passion changes to helping others through the same circumstances, and that's totally okay. okay. So the fourth question is the G, get her done. At the end of the day, which topic, if you were to write a book about it, would just plain get done the fastest? And what I do is I write these across the top of a piece of paper, preg, P-R-E-G, that's passion, okay. research, experience, and get her done. And then I write the different topics I'm thinking about down the left-hand sheet of the paper. And what you're going to do is you're going to make a chart. And then however many topics you have, let's say you have five topics, which I don't recommend doing more than five in this matrix, but do five right. topics. And you're going to rate each one of those topics, and each column can only have the numbers one through five in it once. So the passion column for each topic, you have to rate them, in order, one through five, which one are you the most passionate about would be five, the least passionate would be about would be one. You cannot repeat that number in that column. And then you're going to do the right. same thing for R, E, and G. And then it's as simple as adding those numbers across. So let's say I have a book about writing, and in my preg columns across, I have the numbers five, four, three, two. And I'm going to add those up. And five plus four plus three two. I don't even know what that is. I can't think right now. Um, but let's say that number is. Let's just say it, it turns out to be fifteen. And then I'm going to add one on publishing is another topic I want to write about. And I add those right. numbers across, and that becomes twenty because they're all fives. Right. And if twenty is higher than fifteen. That's the one to do first. So even if you have one right higher in a different column. It's okay. Whichever one rates the highest across the board, that's the project you're probably going to actually be able to get done because the one you're most excited about. So after that, it's a matter of taking that project, looking at all the stuff you already have done for it, all the blog posts you've written, webinars you've taught, teleseminars, anything that you've already done, and take that content and repurpose it into a book using especially a blog post as your outline because that's the easiest way to do it. I think a lot of our listeners have this already. I think which it, that what I would advise them to do is look at your blog. Look what you've written, whether you've written it because you wanted to or because your marketing coach or your SEO coach or whatever told you you had to or whatever it is or whatever you wrote to, if maybe you wrote some articles to promote a radio show appearance or a teleseminar or your own product. I mean, I, I mean, just look at if you've ever launched a product, if you've ever launched a service, what are some of the emails you've written around that? Because you probably hit some pain points. You probably hit some passion points. You probably gave some how-tos. And I bet you could probably translate that into a 12,000-word book pretty quickly. Uh, personal experience here, yeah, personal experience here is – Every Tuesday in my business, we send out to all of our subscribers what we call our Tuesday technology tip. And these are little videos that I film on Camtasia. They're really, you know, not the fanciest thing in the world. They have a brief intro and a brief outro, and then I film something on Camtasia where you see me doing something step-by-step step that helps you spend less time editing and maintaining your websites and more time educating your audience and monetizing your Internet marketing presence. And I fell into this because 
this was way back in the day when we used to be in web development. So you have to go back three or four years. And we would get all these same techie questions over and over and over again, where I would find myself having to answer the same question for the clients, or I'd be on one of those virtual teams, and I'd have to have the same conversation 18 times. And I discovered that if I filmed the answer on Camtasia once, I could just keep saying, did you watch the video over and over again until they finally stopped trying to get me on the phone for another real quick question. And one of my clients, I sent this to them because I was really struggling in terms of getting him to understand how to properly post to his own blog, like how to add the categories and the tags and how to put the little registered symbol after the name of his company for his lawyer's requirements. And finally, I said, you know what, I'm going to do one of these for him, and I'm going to send him a video so he can watch me do it. The next day, I'm actually on a road trip somewhere, and I get a call, and he said, you know, I saw this video you sent me, and I had to send this to my girlfriend and tell her that this is like the best customer service I've ever gotten in my life. Yep. And I got real passion around this. So when we launched HelpMyWebsiteSell.com in 2010, one of the components we added to our email marketing is I decided every week I was going to help my audience with some little techie thing, help them make life a little bit easier. So I started with all those questions that people were asking me over and over again and little things that I struggle with myself. And I figured, you know, I put in a half hour to figure this out, so I'm going to save somebody a half hour. And all those things that, and this, is, and this ties kind of back to the R in the Prague formula you just gave us, the research, you know, all that time you get stuck on the Wikipedia, how about all that time you spend Googling trying to find somebody who can properly answer a question like, how do you fix optimized press 2 so that the forms don't make all the fields required when you don't want them to be? That's something that one of our clients struggled with just recently. And I have an answer to that, which I'm going to release in an upcoming tech tip, unless Optimized Press's tech support answers the question first, in which case I'm going to share their answer. But one way or another, I know that other people are struggling through this. So it's been suggested to me that if I could turn some of my tech tips into narrative form, like maybe have them transcribed and use screenshots, that I could potentially make Kindle books out of that. Uh, as the person who's giving me this, this advice on track or out to lunch. Absolutely. Absolutely okay, so do it. And you know, transcribing and then just putting in the you know, inserting in the screenshots that you already have the slides made, you, you or you have it in Camtasia, so making screenshots is super easy. Um putting those into Kindle format, as long as it's a minimum of twenty five hundred words, it's perfect. So if it's under twenty five hundred right. words, combine it with a related topic and have two okay. two topics covered in one Kindle book. But okay. that's, I mean, anytime people are asking the same question, if you get the same question from three or more people, that's an indication they want it in some way, shape, or form that's digestible. So either a video or in book format. And what I have learned is my audience, of course, because my audience is people who read and write, they prefer book format. Right. I've done some videos, and I do get, I make good connection with videos. However, my motivational videos seem to go farther than my techie how-to videos. My techie how-to stuff seems to go better when it's in writing because then they can follow along easier and they don't have to keep hitting pause. <laughs> and, and I've started okay. telling you this. So listen to what your audience says. If your audience loves video and they prefer it that way, stick to video. 
if they've mentioned how you know it, the video is nice, however, sometimes they're in an environment where they can't have noise playing or they don't have headphones, and they'd like it in a more portable format where they could either download it to their Kindle or you know their phone because you can get read Kindle books on your phone. Then right. that and, and not and you'll have it offline, so you don't have to be connected to Wi-Fi or the internet in order to you know digest the information. Then put it onto Kindle books. That's a very interesting observation because the way we do these tech tips is you watch over my shoulder and I tell folks you can stop, start, pause, and rewind as much as you need to. Now, my audience tends to be a lot of people who work out of the home or they have like an enclosed little area or they're working within Starbucks with their headset on and they have the ability to watch video. So I think one thing that's very critical is mind your audience. And that can also, if you if I'm correct here, impact the type of book you write. Uh, where are they going to be when they read this book? Is this the type of thing they're going to read when they have a half hour? Is this going to be airplane reading for them? Is this going to be like a how-to where they're going to have it open next to them and they're going to do the stuff on page three and then flip to page four and then do the stuff on page four? I mean, I would imagine that you would need to uh, look at some of these different things and determine what's the best format. Yeah, and one of the things that I do is I've created a Facebook group called Candid Conversations on Everything Books, and that's I where that you know people group. who love books hang out. Yeah, you're there. And yes. in that Facebook group, we focus on helping each other and discussions. And so what do I do? You've seen me do this. I post questions. I'm like, hey, guys, if you wanted me to write about this, how would you like it? Would you, would you prefer it on Kindle? Would you prefer it in paper? What topic do you want to hear about? What do you want me to teach you? And, you know, they know they're going to pay for the information. They know it's not free. <laughs> you know, I'm putting it right. in Kindle format. And they, but they want those answers. So ask. Don't be afraid to ask your audience. Figure out where they're hanging out and ask them what they want from you and how they want it delivered. Because then right. you're not putting, you know, using up time and money to put stuff out there that they're not going to want. Or they're not. They're, it's not going to be in the the primary format that they want. And some people you'll get saying both. <laughs> you know, I want both formats. Right. And that if you get enough of those, there's your there's your answer. Do both. Right, 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 right. Just to give you a personal example, and folks, I think you should listen to this because this could give, give you a clue in terms of who your audience may be. A couple weeks ago, I was doing one of our website conversion reviews, which are these very detailed website reviews we do that we film on Camtasia Video, and. One of the focuses of this particular client's review is they wanted us to uh, spot check and double check the work that their SEO company was doing and tell us whether the content of their website looked like it was a legitimate website or whether there was some sort of keyword stuffing strategy. And I'm thinking, okay, so how do I know this? What I ended up doing was going on Kindle and finding like a $9 SEO book. Um, I researched the person who wrote it, and I found specific evidence that they really did know their stuff when it came to SEO, I downloaded it and I had my answer in about 15 minutes. Yep. And people so are searching. When you Google yeah. a question like that, Kindle shows up first because Google That's loves Amazon. Too. Yeah, Kindle almost always shows up first. If, if you have keywords in your title that people are Googling, you're going to show up first on Kindle. And okay. YouTube is That's probably second. Good. Right, right. Let me, yeah, let me just bring that home real quick. Uh, I... All my favorite TV shows are off the air. I don't even have TV anymore, but I still watch all the shows that I watched when I was a youngster and in my 20s. And what happened in a lot of cases, a lot of these long TV series, I'll give you an example, NYPD Blue, which ran for 12 seasons. 
They only released the first four seasons on DVD because after season four, they could not just justify the amount of expense it cost to create the DVDs because they just weren't selling them. Ultimately, somebody picked them up and got them all on Amazon Prime, so you can now watch all 12 seasons on Amazon Prime. I was jonesing for those later seasons, so I started Googling to see if there was some site like LetMeWatchThis.com that uh, had pirated them and was serving them in Czechoslovakia or something where I could just watch them until they yanked them down. And I started getting result after result after result from Amazon Prime. And it looked like little videos I could click, you know, sort of like YouTube results show up. And then it said, you need an Amazon Prime account. That's $75 a year is what, is what I'm paying for it. And because these videos were optimized, and because they were on Amazon Kindle and Amazon Prime and just other Amazon resources, this solved a big problem for me. And $75 was a small price to pay, just like $9 may be a small price to pay for a, for a Kindle book that could solve your problem and potentially save you hours. So just think about that with your audience. So, Kristen, yep. where could someone go to get more help with these topics? Because I know my head is spinning right now. You've given me some great advice and some great guidance on what I need to do in terms of getting things published. So where could someone go to get some help with some of these topics? The best place to go is ultimatebookcoach.com. That right. is a resource website. It's an authority website on publishing. So there's tons of free articles and videos and information. And my brand-new podcast is there as well, so you can listen to that. And the second best place is Facebook. Now, I don't accept every single person as a friend because I'm right. getting I'm a little over halfway towards the friend limit. <laughs> so right. I'm reserving that for people you know I meet in person, but you can still follow me and we can still interact like we're friends. And you can join the Candid Conversations Facebook group. It's Candid Conversations on Everything Books. Just do a search for that. Right. And it'll show up, and we can connect that way, too, on a more personal level um, because I do share a lot of personal and business, just fun stuff on Facebook. And, you know, I like it. I like to show I'm a real person. So, you know, I really right. am. I'm a real person. I'm just like you. So come check me out there. And then if you want the, the help with your books and, and things, go to ultimatebookcoach.com. Right. When I look at ultimatebookcoach.com, I see that on the – homepage of the site. I, a couple things I really like about the way you have your homepage structured here, just looking at this very quickly from a website conversions perspective, is right on the front of the page I see three graphic buttons, one of which says, I want to write a book, I want to get published, and I want to sell more books. Now, what I know about the publishing industry myself is that writing a book, getting published, and selling the books are three completely different disciplines. There are a lot of people out there who have already written the book who need a publisher so they can sell the books. There are people who have a published book, but their publisher is no help in terms of the marketing, so they need to sell more books. And you have the folks who have a book deal already but, uh, and are now on a deadline to write their book. That uh, still happens occasionally in this day and age. So one of the things I like about this is it's very easy when you go to your website to get the help that you need. I also love how we see the picture of you up in the upper right-hand corner, and you're holding <laughs> one of your 21 Ways books. Just following what you publish and seeing what you put on Amazon Kindle and seeing what's available out there. I like how all of your books have a consistent design. So they recognize this is your brand. So if you've seen one and then you see the next one, you know where it's coming from, you know the expertise, you know the authority, you know it's something you can trust. And you have so many 21 Ways books. Now, these books you're writing one book a week for the rest of the year, are these all 21 Ways books or is there something else in there too? 
No, these are actually called Authors Quick Guide. So they're the okay. Authors Quick Guide series, and they're specifically for authors who want to write books. The 21 Ways series is my proprietary series that is under my traditional publishing company arm. So only three of those books are mine. The rest of them are done by other expert authors, and they're more for business owners and entrepreneurs. They're more general. Um, the Authors Quick Guide are, it's actually authorsquickguide.com. You can go there and it'll redirect you to a page where you can see all of them in one spot. And those are right. specifically for writing, publishing, and marketing books. So all different strategies, spe- specific strategies explained in detail in each one. And my goal with that series was just to answer questions. Just like you said, do the quick video tip thing. It's the same thing only on Kindle. Okay, this is this is really great. So for those of you who are listening, who are looking for this type of help, just go to authorsquickguide.com. Did I get that right, authorsquickguide.com? Yep, authorsquickguide.com. Yep, yep. And, I, and I see the web page right now. It's a very simple web page, and underneath you have an Amazon widget that lists all of the books. And since you're doing one of these a week, that widget's going to start growing pretty quickly. So next thing you know, we're going to be going to this page. And there's going to be a lot of scrolling we're going to be doing here because we're <laughs> – the beginning of October, that means we have at least about 12 or 13 more of these books, right? Yep. I've got about 13 nice. more coming. Nice, nice, nice. Now, for our listeners, uh, one of the reasons that I am so able to recommend that you listen to what Kristen has to say and you check out her websites and you connect with her and you join her Facebook group is because I've purchased one of your courses. Uh, it was a course of, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's all about getting your book on Kindle quickly. And I've watched through the videos. I actually did it in one sitting. It took me a good few hours to do so. I broke out a couple cigars and went on my balcony on a nice cool evening, broke out the laptop, and made an evening out of it. And when I actually go back to do this, I'm going to have to watch the videos again and do the stop, start, pause, rewind thing when I do it the first time. But what I really liked is how you laid all this out. You gave enough theory so we understand the whys, we understand the importance of doing things the way that you recommend, and then you show us step-by-step step how to use some softwares, how to figure out how to get the book onto Kindle, because there's a lot of things you need to think about when you put your book on Kindle. Uh, you, a, a book does just get judged by its cover, and you also have to remember that they're going to be looking at a thumbnail of your book, so you have to take that into consideration when you put it up there. And you also have to look at key phrases so that you can show up on Google results and on Amazon search results. You have to remember that Amazon itself is also a search engine. So I want to give you just a couple minutes because you've been so generous to us. I want to give you a couple minutes and just tell us a little bit about some of the courses and some of the training and some of the help people can get from you because I know there's probably – somebody out there that just really wants to know how they can get started? Well, the biggest course is Self-Publish On Demand, and the course you're talking about, the Kindle course, is actually Module 1 of Mm Self-Publish On Demand. I separated that and made it its own entity so that people could order it. And And you got it under the special intro sale. So here's the thing. You can get just the Kindle course for $97, and it does, like I said, teach you everything start to finish to get your book up on Kindle. Or you can go to selfpublishondemand.com and get the entire course, Kindle, editing, design for print, all your accounts you need to set up with printers and distributors and whatnot to have your book actually distributed in bookstores because I tell you how to do that as well. And you can get that whole course for the same price, for $97. If you go to selfpublishondemand.com, it's $997, which people have paid and they've not right. asked for their money back. <laughs> they right. love the course. It's worth that much. However, if you use a coupon code, publish me now, 
you will get 90% off. Wow. I'm going to have to make sure that our community knows about this. So give us that domain again because I'll, I'll add it to the post on Business Creators Radio Show where people can learn about your, uh, learn about your uh, episode when we put it into the iTunes podcast. Cool. It's selfpublishondemand.com. All right. Selfpublishondemand.com. Okay. Very, very good. Yeah, because that is really awesome. That is an incredible incredible offering and I'll make sure that people know about this because I really want to see more people publish their books, claim their expertise. And you have worked with some really big names in the industry and really helped them get going in this area. And some of your clients are also friends of mine and people that I've done business with. Uh, I just discovered this morning while I was preparing for our interview today, uh, we both seem to know Brian Binkholder. Yeah, Brian is has been one of my yes. clients for oh golly four or five years now, and yes. we've done every book that he's got out. Uh, we've worked on that, and yeah, he's he's just amazing. He's a really really smart guy. Yes, yes, I, I I point him out because a lot of our listeners know who he is, and he's a good friend of mine, and he's just an absolute class act all the way across the board. So when I when I, when I saw that, and the reason I discovered it is because I was uh, just checking up on some things about you on YouTube, and I saw a video that he posted about his experiences working with you and some of the work that you've done for him. And there are so many others out there. Um, I believe you've also done some work with Bob Jenkins, who a lot of our people know. Yeah, Bob Jenkins actually was my business coach for about three years, and right. we coached each other. So I've, right. I'm very, very good friends with him. I hang out with him all the time at events and whatnot. And his girlfriend, Therese Barbie, is actually my life coach, and I'm working okay. with, still working with her right now. So we're pretty much family now, which is so cool what, when that happens oh, with I client know. relationships and business relationships. Um, so, yeah, Bob Jenkins totally rocks. Highly recommend him and everything he's got because he's just amazing. And, and he's such a giver, too. Such a giver. Isn't that, isn't that um, so, funny how that works? Yeah. Sometimes we, we start with business relationships and we end up getting our life changed. I mean, I tell people I tell people all the time, I mean, one of my leading clients is somebody who works in the dating and seduction community, helping men uh, find women, so to speak. And uh, I used his techniques to find my girlfriend. So it's just amazing how sometimes we learn from each other. I mean, you may hire somebody and they may hire you, but you end up actually teaching each other. It's just so nice how that works. And here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we are so focused on connections and we're so focused on relationships and helping people help each other. What I want to point out about businesscreatorsradioshow.com is for every single one of our interviews, including the one you're listening to right now, you can go and you can look at the archives of our previous episodes and our upcoming episodes, and you'll discover that every single one of our guest experts has a profile on Business Creators Radio Show where you can learn about them, and then you can find links to their websites, to their various social media, such as Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Pinterest, Google+, YouTube. I know that when we yours, we did some research to find all this stuff, and fortunately, you're very easy to find. So we have about one minute left. So, first of all, Kristen, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, thank you, Adam, for having me. This has been a blast. 
Absolutely. And for everybody listening, again, this is Adam Homie, the host of BusinessCreatorsRadioShow.com. Be sure to check us out for our upcoming exciting episodes. And also check out our podcast, Business Creators Radio Show, on iTunes. We appreciate any and all five we appreciate any and all five star reviews and we will look forward to seeing you next week. Again, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. It's been fun. Everybody have a great day now. Take care.